morning, everybody. Good morning online. Welcome, everybody. Uh, yeah, like Kurt said, today is the uh, where the sugar starts coming down, right? Anybody else feeling it? Yeah. You, and then the funny thing is you feel it until you go home and see the leftovers. I'm like, ah, maybe one more. So uh, welcome to North County Christ the King. Do you remember uh, 2020? You remember that one? Yeah, yeah, we're sort of. We're still, we're still in it. Uh, yeah. So just in case you didn't, I put together for us a list of things to, to help us remember from this year what was truly important. And I want to take you through those top ten things right now. Uh, I have named this Joel's top ten things I hope to never, never, ever, 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 ever I can't remember how many ever's do again. And I thought we'd walk through these and laugh slash cry. So starting off, join me, number 10. Yeah, drum roll, thank you. Yeah. Number 10, all the emotions all the time. I hope to never, never, ever, ever cry, laugh, and be angry in the first 30 seconds of waking up. All the emotions, right? Everybody was everything all the time, right? Number nine, lockdowns. Oh, yeah, yeah. Extrovert? Amen. <laughs> Ex- extrovert? <laughs> Extroverts are bad for lockdowns, right? Yes. Yeah. No, lockdowns are bad for us, yeah. Number eight, resenting having to get dressed. Let me explain. <clears throat> I have been privileged and blessed to be able to lead worship in some sort of capacity here every week since the pandemic started, and I'm very thankful for that. There were times, however, where I would look at you in the camera, and I would just know that you're cozied up with your slippers and your PJs and probably a blanket and a nice coffee, and I would think to myself, self, why do, that's not fair. Why do I have to be the one to put on pants? And then I got over it. So I, I hope to never have to have that weird conversation in my head again. Number, what are we on? What was that? Was that the, number seven? Thank you. No, oh, yeah, not appearing to be a hoarder. So who remembers early on? There was there were a few people. There was especially that one guy who had his garage full of cleaning supplies, right? And he got in trouble, right? And I've never been tempted to do that. But after that story, every time I have more than like one of a cleaning supply in my cart or my basket, I feel like I need to explain to people and I need to let them know, hey, I'm going to use these. I promise. I'm not, I, I'm going to use them. I'm not stockpiling. You, know, you, can, you can have one, I guess, if you want. But, so I just hate that argument. That was weird. I didn't like that. I don't want to have to do that again. Number six. Number five, murder hornets. Really? I mean, could there be a worse name? Like, I'm okay with bees. I leave them alone, they leave me alone. But a bee that wants to sting me and kill me? Uh-uh, no thank you. And then when the news said, oh, don't worry, they only exist in the Northwest. Like, that doesn't help me. Never, never again. Number four. Awkward greetings, right? In the room, let me see your hands. 
online. Let me see. Yeah, right. Awkward greetings. We've all had lots of awkward greetings. Like, oh, hey, I haven't seen him forever. Do you? Oh, I probably shouldn't hug. I don't have gloves on. Should we shake hands? Maybe an elbow bump. Oh, no, he's going in for a fist bump. This is weird. And then I ran away. And I lost so many friends that way. It was awful. Number three, washing my groceries. When I have to take the Clorox wipes that I just bought and then use one to wash down the milk that I just bought. And then to wonder, do I Clorox wipe an orange or does the tap suffice? That's, it, I felt weird. I was confused. Did anybody else wash their groceries? Okay, nobody else in the first service did either. So I have learned that I probably have a problem. Number two. Drive-by birthdays. Who was the recipient of a drive-by birthday this year? I was. I turned 39 this year. And I'm thankful for everyone who came and celebrated in my road. But here's what I'm nervous about. Not just for me, but for you guys too. I, I'm a little concerned that people are going to go through this thought process this year and think, you know, that was really convenient last year. And it only took like 10 minutes. So... Yeah, this year we'll do the drive-by again. Next year. Next year we'll get him. We'll do a party. But this year we're going to do that. But next year we'll get him, for sure. I'm just concerned that we're all going to miss out again. And so, number two. Hope to never do that again. And finally, are you ready? Drum roll, please. You guys are good. Number one. The great toilet paper famine. Yay! Never again. Never again do I ever want to have the fleeting thought go through my head of, how do I teach my kids how much toilet paper is enough? And never again do I want to feel bad for using somebody else's bathroom because, you know, that could be the last two squares on earth, right? And then, then what do we do? So thank you, everybody, for participating. That was my top ten things I hope to never, never, ever, 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 ever do again. And hopefully you shared some of that. Uh, seriously, though, it's nice to laugh, isn't it? It's good to laugh. Uh, are you thankful that things have changed just enough that we can at least laugh a little bit nowadays, right? Yeah, I'm thankful that things are a little lighter now. We're not out of the woods, but I'm thankful we can laugh. And I'm thankful for that because there was a time, wasn't there, where there wasn't a whole lot of laughter. Anybody else? I know there was a time in my life, back in March and April, where there wasn't a whole lot of laughter. In fact, uh, my wife and I were celebrating our 16th anniversary down in Cannon Beach, Oregon in March. And watching the world collapse was a really odd thing to go through. Didn't like it. We were at lunch one day when we got the news that the schools were closing. And that was weird. Wow, I've, I've never heard of that before. So that was really jarring. Uh, then after that, uh, we heard that the NBA was going to be suspending for a while. And that was a big deal for me because uh, my son and I were going to, the next week, be taking a trip uh, for his 13th birthday to take him to his first NBA game. So that was really, yeah, that was really sad. And, and then we came home, and of course, the lockdown. Can't leave your house. And I don't know about you, but I just remember, I remember the time where it was morning after morning, where in those brief moments after waking up, you'd feel okay. And then a second or two after, oh, that's right, COVID's still happening. And it would just crush my joy first thing in the morning. 
And that was rough. And I remember my worst, my worst moment was in the middle of March, about 2.30 in the morning. I woke up in a sweat in full panic and went out to our family room. And I read my Bible and I prayed. And I found myself on the living room floor crying out to God. Where are you? What is going on? I thought you said you're my peace, but all I feel is terror. I don't understand. And I found myself asking a very difficult question. And I don't know where you come from. I don't know what your faith journey has looked like. Uh, Maybe you've served Jesus for years. Maybe you're newly uh, following Jesus. Maybe you don't follow Jesus and you're just uh, tuning in or you're here just checking it out. I'm glad you're here. But I would venture to say that no matter where you're at, at some point in all of our faith journeys, as we've learned to navigate the pains of life, I would venture to guess that we have all asked this very difficult question. God, are you even there? What is happening? God, are you even there? And it's hard when you get when you come to that place. And this morning as we go on, I want to tell you that if you've been struggling with that, if those questions have been going through your head, it's okay. I don't know if you grew up knowing. I know I grew up not knowing if it was okay to ask that at a church. Um, But I want you to know that if you're struggling with that, you're not lost, and that's okay. Oswald Chambers said it this way. He said, Doubt is not always a sign that a man is wrong. It may be a sign that he's thinking. And that, that brought me peace, and hopefully that brings you peace as well. But today in our, in our time together, as we talk and look at Scripture, I want us to learn and to come to the place to understand this, that the presence of pain is not the absence of God. The presence of pain is not the absence of God. Say it with me. The presence of pain is not the absence of God. And it's hugely important that we know that. And the good thing is that I'm thankful for, God knew we would have these questions. God knew that humans are fickle and we're forgetful. And he knew that we would need that reassurance because he knew that we were going to go through hard times because that's guaranteed in life. So we're going to turn to Scripture. Turn with me, if you will, to Romans chapter 8. We're going to start in verse 35. And a little background on the, cha- on the book of Romans. Romans was written by Paul to the first church in Rome. And these people were brand new. Oh, everybody was brand new to Christ at the time. Uh, but he is explaining how salvation works. And he talks about how sinful man is, and then he talks about how we need Jesus and why we need Jesus. And then in chapter 8, he this is the pinnacle of the book where he talks about how Jesus is our freedom because of his death and resurrection. So we're starting in verse 35. Read along with me. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean that he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity? 
or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. Verse 37, no. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ Jesus who loved us. Amen, huh? What did he say? There are a handful of things that can separate us from Christ's love. No. No. Nothing. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. And it becomes more amazing and more comforting when you think about who Paul was writing to. So like I said, he was writing to the, to the early church in Rome. And these people were being faced with death daily because of their faith. They were being persecuted. Their leaders wanted to kill them because of their faith in Christ. Imagine what that was like. On my way to church this morning, being killed for coming here was not something that crossed my mind. I'm very thankful for that. But these people that he was writing to, that was, that was the norm. Imagine what that was like. You know, you come to, the, to know the truth, you come to know Jesus, but you also don't know when's your last day. And that... That is what Paul is speaking into here when he reassures people that absolutely nothing, nothing can separate you from Christ's love. Even if you die, you are still in God's grip. And guys, that is still for us today. Nothing can separate you from Christ's love. Not murder hornets. Not another lockdown. Not contracting COVID-19 itself. Nothing can take you from Christ's love. Amen? Now, look at one other thing with me. Paul does not say that these things will stop. Believe me, I looked really hard. I was hoping Paul said, or maybe it was in the footnotes, I was hoping that Paul said, uh, you know, once you come to Jesus... Everything will be sunshine and puppies and it will be great. But it doesn't say it anywhere. No translations. Paul says that there will be trouble. But it's those, those troublesome things. They can't separate us. They can't do anything to us. They can't separate us from God. So brothers and sisters, there will be difficulty. There will be pain. We can bet on it. But we can know that it won't separate us from Jesus. Amen? Because we know, what do we know? That the presence of pain is not the absence of God. The presence of pain is not the absence of God. Hard things happen. God is still there. God is with you. Nothing will change that. Oh, great. Thanks, Joel. That's uplifting. Thanks for that depressing news. My life is going to be hard. Why are you telling us all this? I'm telling us this because of this reason. Because, brothers and sisters, church, we must remember that truth. And it's really easy to forget it when things get difficult. But we must remember that truth because if we forget that God is with us through everything, if we forget, the danger is that we turn inward 
and that we despair. And when we do that, we will live selfish, angry lives. And I don't want that. And you don't want that. And God does not want that for His church. Amen? Amen? So, the question then becomes, great, how, how do we live that way? What do we do so that we can live as victors? So we can live with that overwhelming victory that Paul talks about. And that's what I want to bring us through in our remaining time together here. So first, your first blank, we pray. It's prayer. First thing that we do is prayer. Philippians tells us that when we're tempted to worry, that instead we should pray. Philippians 4, 6. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all that He has done. Sometimes it's simpler than you might think. Just pray. Bring your requests to Jesus. And there's something else too that I've been doing lately that, uh, that can be very helpful for us as well, and that's writing down our prayers or using a prayer journal. Does anybody do a prayer journal at all? Does anybody write down your prayers? I'll tell you what that does. Um, it's very helpful. I love having it to go back to. That's great. But a lot of times when we're anxious, when something is really bothering you, your thoughts are just chaotic. And a lot of times when there's real bad panic, your thoughts don't make sense. Okay? That's just how our brains work sometimes. And so when we're forced to write it out in a, in a coherent sentence that helps us get our, our feelings out. And more often than not, you'll write it down and you'll, you'll learn about yourself and you'll think, oh, wow, that's what I thought. I didn't realize that. And it helps you process those emotions and those thoughts. So I would encourage you if, you, if you haven't done that before, if you haven't written down your prayers, try it out. Give it a shot. And it doesn't have to sound beautiful. It doesn't have to rhyme. It doesn't have to sound like King James. It's just got to be you. That's what God wants, right? It can be as raw as, Dear Lord, good morning. What the heck? I thought you were like this. Why do I feel this? I don't understand. Help me. The end. And if you think that's... uh, (laughs) Sputton. If you think that's inappropriate, then read the Psalms. Look at the Psalms. That was, that's what David did all the time. Psalm 13 in particular, David starts off saying, Oh Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? David was troubled here, right? And if you go through it, towards the end, in verse 5, he says, But I will trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you've rescued me. I wanted to share with you from mine. Uh, I started doing this again in March because my anxiety was through the roof and this really helped. And I just want to provide an example for you, not because I'm amazing, or, but, but just so you can see that being raw is okay. So I bring this to you uh, as an example. So this was from March 16 for me when everything was really going down. I wasn't doing so well. God, where are you? I cry out to you. I'm not sleeping well. I have a knot in my stomach. I can't escape it. I'm focusing on a list of verses I've put in a document, but it doesn't remove the fear. I can't live this way. When does this end? 
And it went on just to pour out how I was feeling. But similar to what we see in the Psalms, I found God led me through this. And I ended up ending this entry uh, as God brought me to remember who he is. And I found myself writing, I know I don't know everything. I know I'm not always right. And just because I feel strongly about something doesn't mean that I'm right. So I surrender to you, Jesus. Please lead my thoughts and give me your peace. So pray. And that's my challenge to you. Try that out if you don't usually. Secondly, what we do is we share. Next, we share. It's important for every one of us to have a trusted friend or a trusted counselor, somewhere that we can share what's going on in our lives and share those questions and share those troubles. And for some of us, it's really easy. I can share all day long and never stop talking. Ask my wife. But not everybody is like that. Some of us, it's harder. Some of us, were more guarded. Some of us, maybe we're just not very wordy. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Regardless, wherever you come from, though, I just want to encourage you this morning. Let somebody in. Find someone who's trusted. And let somebody into your pain. Let somebody in to your questions. That's why we put such a, a, a high emphasis on small groups here at North County Christ the King. Because you need that. We all need that community. We were built for that community. You're made for that. And so uh, if, if you're not in a small group, we've got a great opportunity starting in a few weeks. Sign up, start next week for the next small group session that starts on January 17th. But next week starts the, uh, starts the sign-ups. Uh, let me see. But, uh, who took part in the last 10-week session? Anybody? Yeah. Awesome. If you did, you should do it again. If you didn't, you need to. You need that. We need that community. Because what you'll often find, you will find that when you open up and when you share, when, when we bring those problems into the light, that's when the healing starts. Yeah. Healing starts when you get it out. And more, more often than not, you will find that when you share with a trusted friend, more often than not, you're going to hear, I've been there too. I, I totally know what you're talking about. You know, my small group, we've uh, many, many evenings when we have group, sometimes we'll just forget the questions for the night and somebody will just need to share, need to pour out their heart or talk about something difficult that's going on. And almost every time, somebody else is able to say, wow, dude, I know exactly what you're talking about. I've been there. I've been through that. And, and this is something that I did that really helped me when I was in that time. Or, you know, you might try doing this. And it doesn't have to be all sappy. It's not, that's not what it's like. It's just sharing what's going on and letting someone into that with you. So sign up if you haven't. And there's one last thing. One last thing I want to bring up that we can do to live as victors, remembering that the presence of God no, the presence of pain is not the absence of God. There's one more thing that I would encourage us with. And I just want to say, this might not be for everybody. This might not be for everyone. But I ask that you consider it. Because it might be for you. It was for me. And I know I needed to hear it. And that's this. 
bear. Bear it. What do you mean, Joel? I mean grin and bear it. When we encounter pain in our lives, we should pray about it. We should share with people. And then you do it. I love you all. And there comes a time when we need to pull up our big boy pants and our big girl pants and get at it. There comes a time when we need to work hard and push through no matter what's going on. Because whining and complaining, that is not overwhelming victory, is it? I think that a fair, I think a good portion of us spent the better time, the better part of 2020 whining and complaining. And I know I've been guilty of it too. But that's not what God wants for us. That, that's not what overwhelming victory looks like. I mean, think about Russell Wilson at the end of a, you know, a big Seahawks win. And he gives the interview. You know, does he go, Ugh. yeah, I know we won. But those refs, Ugh. no, he doesn't do that. That's not what overwhelming victory looks like. Does overwhelming victory for us as Christians, does that look like making and sharing memes, making fun of people you don't agree with? I don't think so. Does overwhelming victory look like really sticking it to someone who just really needed to be put in their place? Yeah. Telling them what you think. I don't think so. I don't think that's what God wants for us. Brothers and sisters, we've got to stop playing the victim. Far too often, we play the victim when in fact we are victors. Because I have the Spirit of Christ living in me. I carry this coin around. Here's a better picture of it. I read a book this fall that was huge for my life. And reading it, there were a few things that it said that caused me to look differently at the pain and adversity in my life. I've learned that so often when I was confronted with pain or something went wrong, I would have this tendency, and this is me, I'm not saying you, I would have, I have this tendency to go, oh, great. What did I do? How am I going to fix this? It says, the obstacle is the way. The impediment to action advances action. What stands in the way becomes the way. And what I've learned and thought through this is God has worked in me. I've learned that when I react that way, I need to change and shift my thinking. And it's caused me to think this, to think, okay, Joel, if you believe that God is sovereign, which I do, then I have to believe that this pain is not an accident, but is in, in fact a vital part of his plan for me. And I must get through it. No whining. This is not an adversity. No, this is not a, a, um, a diversion. This is the way. Like the Mandalorian says. So grin and bear it.
For example, this is a way that it worked out, one way that I thought I'd share with you. This is how it worked out in my life, how how this kind of plays out. Uh, I've been running a lot more lately, love running. And this one day, I went on a longer run, and I was, as far as I was going to get from my house, time to turn around, come back home, and it started dumping buckets of rain. And I was in a sweatshirt and shorts and and shoes. It's five in the morning, and I I wasn't going to call anybody, (laughs) call my wife out of bed to come pick me up. No. So I was faced with, with, a, with a choice. I could either complain and whine about it, or I could run home. So I ran home. And this is what I looked like afterwards. <laughs> like a drowned rat. But I chose to run. I chose to see, okay, this rain... Nobody did it to me. I don't have anyone I can get mad at. But it is what it is. So this is God's plan for me. So I'm going to run. And I did. And you know what happened? I got stronger. God worked in me. God developed thicker skin in me. And I realized, hey, I can run in the rain. And so I do it more. And if, I, if that guy had given up or just got grumpy and let that ruin his day right, right at the beginning of that, there would be so many things I would have missed out on that day and, and further. So I chose to run. I chose to just do it and bear it. And please, 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 church, hear me right. I know that there are much worse problems than running in the rain. I'm not looking for sympathy. But I also know that many of you are struggling and have gone through really, really difficult times and still are. I hear the stories here working at the church, and so, so I know. And so I'm not meaning to be uncompassionate, but I want to change and to challenge our thinking. Are you being a victim or are you being a victor? Are you being a victim or are you being a victor? Because you have the Spirit of Christ in you. You have the Spirit of Christ in you. Jesus working in you. And nothing can take that away. It's what we learned today, right? Amen? Amen. So because of that, should we not then be viewing problems in a different light, you think? Shouldn't we be looking at adversity a little bit differently, knowing that our Father is with us? I want to invite the worship team forward. As we close. But just just think with me. Just imagine. Think about the things that are problems in your life right now. Things that are difficult. What if we started living as victors? Imagine how your family could grow if instead of seeing pain as a problem, you saw it as an opportunity for growth. Imagine what your walk with Christ could look like if you instinctively went to prayer when things went bad, even before the first complaint comes out of your mouth. What could your life look like then? Imagine, imagine what your anxiety level and your stress level could look like if you start, you know, when you start cultivating those healthy avenues of sharing with trusted friends or with a counselor. Imagine how our lives could change if we start believing and remembering that the presence of pain is not the absence of God.
as we say to ourselves over and over again, okay, the presence of pain is not the absence of God. And this is why we talk about this. Because 2021 is here, right? And there is no guarantee that it's going to be any better than this year. But that's okay. That's okay. Because the presence of pain is not the absence of God. Because nothing can separate me from Christ's love. And because in Christ, overwhelming victory is mine, is ours, for His glory. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for your work in us. Father, I thank you that when these problems keep mounting all around the world, I thank you that you are present, even when I can't feel it. We trust you. And today I ask by the Spirit of Christ at work within us that you would change our thinking and produce in us the life that you have waiting for us. Help us, Lord, to be your light to the world, all for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing.